car with straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then pop models. Uh -huh. Car with yeah. straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then okay, pop bottles. Okay, we poppin' champagne like we won a championship game. Look like I got on a championship brain. Cause I ball hard. Don't be ball hard. I am the it's Wednesday, September 26th. UCF moves up to number 13 in the AP rankings after a big 56-36 win over Florida Atlantic. Money Moo joining us live over from, where is it, London now? Yeah, hey guys, it's Money Moo. We're in London now. I've had a few po points at the pub. Hey, points for the Irishman, or whatever. All right, so big win this week. UCF on a 16-game win streak. We've scored at least 30 points in each of those games. What are your thoughts? How much of the game did you even get to watch? So I was in Scotland, and just in case you were wondering, the ESPN app and watch ESPN does not work anywhere in the UK. So shout out to Reddit and anyone who posted a streaming link. That's what I used to watch basically almost the whole game. So anyway, my thoughts on the game. My prediction was actually pretty close. I predicted 42-21, to 21, so a 21-point victory for the Knights. They ended up winning by 20. That's 56-36. So it was, my prediction was actually a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. I just thought that the game overall, I think everyone was panicking about nothing. I mean, UCF, we won 16 games in a row here, and... These UCF fans all of a sudden have gotten, like, this champagne taste. Like, do you know what I'm saying? No, I completely agree. I think everyone's spoiled as fuck, and they need to shut up, dude. Like, we're doing awesome. Maybe it's because we don't have much to complain about that we're nitpicking smaller issues. But, like, you know, we had a few missed tackles, whatever. They've got one of the best running backs in the country. That's going to happen, and when we score that fast and give them the ball that much, and they run that much, I mean, that kind of stuff's going to happen. It's not the end of the world. I think everyone's just kind of nitpicking. You know, people are bitching about the play calling. We still average almost five yards per carry. We're giving everyone touches. I think we look good, and I mean, if not for that, you know, score with the second stringers at the end, that would have been a 27-point win. The game wasn't even close. Yeah, exactly. I Take it back to that last drive before the beginning of the second half. So that would be the last drive of the first half. Well, we're up 14-0. Then right. they score 17 straight points. And we're kind of flat at this point. Not, I mean, not flat, but, you know, we've, we haven't really moved the ball. It kind of lost a little momentum. And we get the ball back with 134 left. And then, you know, what, what did you see after that? I saw a touchdown drive that was... Uh, I gotta say, it was one of the best touchdown drives that I've seen in a long, long time. We look good. Yeah, I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I want to say it was like barely a minute long. There was no, you know, huge play that broke it up. It was just chunk play after chunk play. And we drove the ball down there, I think it was a solid minute, right down the field. And yeah. it was Marlon Williams who went in for the score. Yeah, it was five plays, 73 yards. Snelson had a big catch. The drive was maybe a minute 10 total. And, you know, when we got the ball after they had kicked that field goal to make it 17-14, I knew. I was like, all right, this is like a statement drive. This is kind of like this is what the good teams do, everyone says, like the Patriots. Patriots always score before the half because then you get the ball back and you can make it two consecutive scores without the other team even having a chance. 
So we got the ball, and I was like, look, this is a chance for us to make a statement. I just had that feeling. I knew we were going to, you know, kind of suck it up, get our shit together, drive down, punch the ball. And, and as soon as we did that and made that score, I knew that the game, we, we had the game locked down. You know, we, we just kind of need a little wake-up call there. And, you know, it was the first time we've seen adversity all season, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, momentum, this is college football. Momentum shifts back and forth. You know, we're we're not going to go through every game and just blow every single team out. You know, that fake punt from Florida Atlantic was a huge momentum shift in the game. And even when we went up 14 to nothing, and I did say last week that we were going to totally wipe FAU off the map, I didn't think at that point when we were up 14 zip that we were just going to continue to score at will there and keep FAU at zero. They had to have tried something to get back into the game. And, you know, kudos to Lane Kiffin. He, he had some balls to to run that fake punt, and it worked, and they got back into the game. Unfortunately, they just didn't have the talent that we had on the field that night. Yeah, I'm pissed I missed that fake punt. I was trying to sneak into the cabana, which uh, – they really ramped up the security there, man. It's places like Fort Knox. You can't get in. <laughs> I borrowed someone's ticket. They don't rescan. They scan it before they give you the wristband. But I was messing around with that, and I come back out, and all of a sudden they're driving a score, and it's uh, almost tied at 14. I'm like, crap, what did I miss? And everyone's like, dude, they ran a fake punt. And uh, but I guess that really shifted the momentum. But besides that, I mean, FAU didn't show much life, but they did give us their best shot, and uh, – I mean, I, I know you've said this before. We're going to get that from every team this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially this week with Pittsburgh. The, you know, they call the Pittsburgh the giant killer. You know, it really doesn't matter what record they have during the year. I know last year, I think they were like 4-8 and eight or 3-9, and nine, and they knocked off Miami, who was a top 10 team, I think, at the time. They were number um, two at the time, and the season before that, they beat number two Clemson. They were four and eight at the time, and I think they were three and nine last year when they beat number two Miami. So you're definitely right. This could be, I mean, a sleeper game. Well, not so much of a sleeper because they're known as a giant killer, but we definitely have to watch out. I and mean, this is a power five team at the end of the day. They've got yeah. technically better rated recruits and bigger players than we're generally used to. But, and that's uh, what I'm trying to say. Like, it doesn't matter what the re- – it doesn't even matter what the team is. Do you remember a couple of years ago – I can't remember what what season it was. We were pretty de- – I think it was the season where we ended up in the Beefo Brady's Bowl or the St. Pete Bowl against NC State. And <laughs> I think we were 9-4, and 9-3. and three. That was the year that we actually lost to UConn. Do you remember oh, I remember and UConn was what, like one yeah, and they eleven or something? Yeah. Yeah, and yep. their only their only win of the whole year was against us. And yeah. we just didn't show up. So we have to control the controllables. We have to show up to the game on Saturday. I don't care what's going on two weeks from now. I only care what's going on this Saturday. Yep. And our fans gotta show up like they did last Friday. It's gonna be a hot one out there. Uh make it to the game. It's gonna be a whiteout. Uh, show up where you're white. Be loud, make some noise, man. That place is electric, especially on third downs. Uh, the fan base was awesome. Student section you know, especially. I was going to say, even all the way from Scotland, watching on my little iPhone 6. <laughs> you still have an iPhone small, 6? Bro, still have at, an iPhone 6. They're at a 10S now. The crowd looked great. Absolutely it was awesome. great. It was, so thank uh, you. 
It was definitely awesome. Uh, so let's go over a couple other game notes. Uh, Richie Grant led the defense with 10 tackles. Gabe Leanda, uh, he got a little work in there. He only played maybe a, a quarter of the snaps, but he had four QB pressures on 10 rushes, which was, was pretty awesome. Jordan Johnson anchoring that offense with another great game. And then Wyatt Miller had a scare. Anytime there's some kind of leg injury in the offensive line, that can be nerve-wracking. But Coach Hype said today that he will be fine and should be good to go. Also, Mac Laudermilk, I don't know if you caught that, had an excruciatingly painful-looking injury. Uh, I did, Coach I saw Hype, that. Coach Hype said he is going to make it, uh, <laughs> and he should be fine for this week anyway. And hey, I just, I just wanted to say... A shout-out to Mac. His punt average was up big this week. It was up closer to 50. I know college punters, you want to be in that 45 to 50 average range. And I know in the South Carolina State game, like everyone else, the stats were a little bit lower. Already established that we didn't really get up for that game. It was some good punting. and It really changed the field position there for us. So good job, Mac. Yeah, and uh, he might get a little daytime Emmy for that performance as well, if you know what I mean. <laughs> All right, so let's look uh, look across the rest of the college football landscape. Obviously, we moved up three spots from number 16 to number 13 in the AP poll, by far the highest we've ever been ranked this point in the season, which is awesome. That's because the three teams ahead of us all got upset by unranked teams, and then number five, Oklahoma, Went to overtime versus Army and won, which was pretty crazy. And then number 10, Washington, almost lost to unranked Arizona State. So those are the kind of games that can affect us because we're rooting for everyone ahead of us to lose, all of our opponents to win for strength of schedule, which I haven't looked, but it's got to be around dead last right now still. And then obviously us win every week. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you that every week, no matter what, any team could be any team. There can be a slip-up, and it only takes one. So we got to bring our A game every single week, no matter what the opponent. Oh, and also, we've got a quality loss alert. Insert sound Uh-oh. effect. Here it comes. Oh. All right, so the quality loss alert. We have number 20, Oregon, playing number 7, Stanford. Now, Oregon was up in this game. I think for quite a while, Stanford battled back to force overtime and actually ended up winning. But the big story here is that number 20, Oregon, actually moved up one position in the AP poll to number 19 after losing. Yep, that's uh, the good old quality loss, man. No other sport has it. Gotta love college football. One cool thing, though, I guess, Stanford, if they continue to do well, we play them next year at home. That That's could be, got game day written all over it. You took the words out of my mouth, dude. That's got the makings of a game day, especially if we continue on this tear like we're on. One thing I do want to note, though, is that these AP rankings are separate from the college football playoff rankings. So the first ones come out October 30th this year, Tuesday, October 30th, so just over a month from now. And I remember last year... They shifted like maybe two and three and four and two or something like that and a couple other ones. But this gives them their baseline to then make their own 
rankings off of. I have a feeling they'll probably rank us about five lower than we're ranked because they're going to say, I can hear these bullshit quotes right now, oh, the body of work, if you look at the body of work and, you know, the hurricane and this crap, I guarantee you they're already sitting there thinking of excuses to hold us down, but this year is going to be different because we're starting higher. But anyway, that's just something to keep in mind as we're uh, five yeah. weeks away from those first rankings. I bit my tongue pretty hard right there because we could have a whole show about, you know, every, <laughs> we, we could have could. a whole show about this. And we will here in about five weeks, I guarantee it. Moo, let's do a quick little Power 6 update. How did our conference foes fare this week? All right, so the Power 6 update for this week, SMU beat Navy 31-30 in overtime, giving Navy their second loss. So they suck. Um, our friends to the West, USF, narrowly beating East Carolina 20-13, to which is kind of sad because East Carolina lost to, like, NC A&T or NC Central. And yep. I, saw the, I saw a picture of the crowd over there at Raymond James, and it was nothing to shake a stick at. So yeah, I don't no, know what that means. But. <laughs> <laughs> hey there, young fella. <laughs> uh, what else? We got uh, Cincinnati. Oh, I really don't want to talk about this game because this was my first loss in 10 picks. But anyway, Cincinnati, they barely squeaked by Ohio 34-30, but they did remain 4-0. And this was my pick last week. I had them minus 8.5. They did end up winning the game only by 4, so they didn't cover, but it was close. Uh, It was my first loss in the last 10 picks. If you can remember, some of the commentary that I gave on the game last week was that Ohio had one good receiver. It was basically 75% of the team's receiving yards was this one guy, Poppy White. Do you know how many catches and receiving yards of Poppy White was held to? So he was held to two catches for 23 yards. So they did what you said, but they still lost. So they did exactly what, what I said. I said they needed to cover this guy, Poppy White, and they'll all be good. Well, they ended up covering him, but they forgot to cover everyone else on the whole team <laughs> the triple of team Ohio. Man. It was 21-zip Ohio, I think, It was at it, the beginning you know, of the game. What happened, Ohio just jumped out, Cincinnati was flat, and after that, Cincinnati dominated the game, but it was just too much to recover. I mean, they ended up winning the game, but it was just too much of a hole to dig out of to cover the spread, too. I mean, you take out that first quarter, and we win that bet easily, so still a good bet. You know, that's football. Sometimes the ball bounces the wrong way. All right, and then one other one, Memphis beat USA, no, not America, University of South Alabama. 52-35 52-35 to 35 in a game that actually, heading into the fourth quarter, Memphis was only up by four points to a 1-3 University of South Alabama team. Um, Dang, really? Yeah, Memphis, they're not that good this year. I mean, I thought they were bringing back. I know they lost, you know, their quarterback, Riley Ferguson, and they lost uh, that receiver to the Browns. But they had a lot of key pieces coming back, and, I mean, they just don't look good. Yeah, the receiver, Anthony Miller, is Anthony actually Miller, the yeah. Bears. That's what I said, the, the Bears. Browns. Yeah, the, Bears. the Browns. I don't know. Either way, yeah, I agree. Uh, I I thought they were going to be better than this this year, but apparently not. But I will say again, 
we need to bring our A game every single game because it's going to be one of these teams that we're not thinking about that's going to sneak up and give us a run for our money. Exactly. All right, so let's move on. What are some upcoming games this weekend that could potentially affect our rankings, and what, what should we pay attention to? So we have a huge slate of games this week that are going to potentially affect our ranking, and some of which I think there could be potential that we move into the top 10. Yeah, dude, that would be pretty epic this early into the season. So what games are you thinking of? I think a couple of them, it might not even matter who wins. We've got a couple top 10 opponents facing off. Hopefully the loser of that game will drop below us after we cream pit. Cream pit? (laughs) Cream pit? Yeah, so we got those two first. We got number four, Ohio State playing at number nine, Penn State. So you figure probably the winner or the loser is going to drop below us. Well, I don't uh, know. If, I, they won't Pitt. move. They, I don't know if they'll move Ohio State out of the top ten unless it's like well, a blowout. Well, it depends on how bad they lose. Urban Meyer's first game back, you know. He's got his cell phone, no deleted text messages, ready to go. <laughs> then we have number seven, Stanford, at number eight, Notre Dame. And then the one very intriguing matchup that we'll be hearing about some more in just a few minutes is number 12, West Virginia, at number 25, Texas Tech. And then we have number 20, BYU, at number 11, Washington. My quick take, I think BYU is a huge joke. I don't think they deserve a top 25 ranking. The only reason they're in the top 25 is because they beat Wisconsin, but I think Wisconsin is massively overrated. So take Washington. That's not an official money move pick, but there you go. (laughs) All right. So awesome. Lots of games this week to keep an eye on besides UCF. Let's move on to our interview. We've got Browns long snapper and UCF alum Charlie Hewlett. NFL game winner. One, one, and one on the season. All right. I'm here with Cleveland Browns long snapper, Charlie Hewlett, also UCF alum. Charlie, thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem. Hopefully uh, hopefully, I'm not too boring here. I don't get to do stuff very often. <laughs> well, uh, we're glad to have you. Congrats on the win last week. You know, you guys obviously had a little bit of a wind drought. UCF, we kind of know what that's like going 0-12 over the last few years. Uh, how did that feel? It was good. Uh, it was really good. I mean, um, you know, unfortunately, it's it's been a while since we've we've won. I think it's I think the last time we'd won before that was about the last time UCF lost. So you know, it was it was kind of a foreign feeling in a way to, to finally get a W. I kept thinking, you know, God, I hope we don't lose this in the last two minutes or something here. But uh, thankfully, uh, we were able to pull it off, and um, you know, hopefully, we can keep it going. Right. Well, that, that was awesome. And I just saw, I don't know if you heard, I'm sure you did, but Baker Mayfield named starting quarterback now, which is, uh, is awesome. So it looks like things are definitely looking up for you guys. I mean, you got a ton of talent on the roster. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, Baker definitely brings a nice energy to the team and um, a little bit of swagger along with him. I mean, he's, you know, he, he's definitely a talented guy, so hopefully we can rally behind him. That's awesome. It'll be fun to watch you guys for the rest of the season. Let's go back a little bit. Tell me about how you ended up at UCF. Uh, you were class of, what, 08, coming out of high school? Yeah, yeah. Well, so my cousin played for UCF back in the uh, 90s, so I've, I always had, like, an interest in UCF. I, I grew up kind of rooting for him just because he played back in the day. And um, 
so I kind of uh, actually had him kind of try to reach out to, you know, get in my film and stuff like that. And I had originally, um, I think my two Division One choices were USF and UCF. And, uh, you know, I'd, I obviously kind of wanted to get away from home a little bit. And uh, on top of that, like I said, I just grew up rooting for UCF. So I was, I was super interested whenever they came and got me out of class and started recruiting me. I was originally supposed to go there as a tight end. And then I think our long snapper uh, quit within the, the month that I was there. And after that, I kind of just fell into that job a little bit and worked out well for me. Right. Well, clearly. Uh, did you start for all four years as long snapper? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember thinking um, I was going to redshirt and then in training camp, you know, kind of just, like I said, ended up winning that job as the long snapper and found myself traveling with the team. I remember my class schedule wasn't set up to, to travel or anything like that. And so we had to figure some stuff out on that end. Like I said, worked out well. Yeah, definitely. All right. So tell me a little bit about your experience with George O'Leary. A lot of the younger fans don't even really remember him or just remember, you know, his kind of ugly exit. But, uh, I mean, he, yeah. he was such a real funny, personable guy. What, what, what's? Do you have any funny stories or quotes that you remember from him? Oh, man. Um, there's just so – I mean, most of them <laughs> have, to, have to do with him just kind of cracking down on guys. I mean, O'Leary's uh, – his reputation kind of – surpass them a little bit i mean even today like he had a reputation with nfl scouts and stuff like that i mean everybody knows who george o'leary was but you know he he really he could come down hard on some guys and he was just a guy you had to earn his respect i remember my first couple years i don't think he eased off on me until i was probably a junior and i remember my first two years there being like oh my god i don't know how i'm ever gonna make it through this program but um (laughs) you kind of had to play well for him and, and he earned his respect and you know, I really, I really liked him. I remember one of the funnier quotes. I was at some like fraternity event, and he was a guest speaker, and he clearly didn't want to be there and didn't talk about <laughs> anything that was supposed to be covered. But he he went off on a tangent about how he uh, liked to recruit ugly players because the ugly players never got in trouble with girls or stayed out or anything like that. And- no, that that sounds accurate. Actually, we had uh, Matt Days played with me um, up here this this previous season, and and he was telling me how he got recruited by. By Coach O'Leary, and he he was like, "Yeah, man, I, I remember on my recruiting visit, uh, he looked at my younger brother and just just looked at him and said, he, like, man, you're real fat.' And he was just like, after that, I looked at, him, I was like, you know, I was, I was really insulted <laughs> by that, and I was like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. That sounds like classic George. That's yeah. funny. All right, so pretty much every recruiting class since like I think 2004 has been through a conference championship. Yours uh-huh. was in 2010. Had a lot of NFL players on that team. Latavius Murray. Ja Reed, Bruce Miller. Talk, talk me a little bit through that season, having Godfrey at quarterback and then, you know, playing at the Liberty Bowl. Oh, that was an incredible season. I remember, um, you know, the feeling in that locker room was just uh, – there was just such a great level of team chemistry that went on in there. And I got to say that's something that uh, Coach O'Leary really brought to the table. I mean, groups under him were either going to thrive or they're going to kind of crumble. Just kind of the, the way he ran training camp, you either had to be – a tough group of guys, or, or you really just weren't gonna gonna make it under him. You know that kind of atmosphere that he created really brought us all together. And I just remember that season being, um, you know, one that I'll never forget in a lot of ways, just because we really all got uh, got along so well together. I remember thinking that we were gonna win every single game we went out there and played. 
Yeah, that was that was an awesome season. I, I definitely remember that as, as one of the one of the good ones. It was fun having a uh, quarterback like Godfrey. I mean, you, really any play he could uh, he could break it open. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I remember you know going and playing Georgia in the Liberty Bowl, and I remember we were such big underdogs. But I, I can remember nobody in that locker room felt like we were underdogs. We all felt like we had a chance to to win that game, and um, you know, thankfully we went out and did it. Yeah, and I remember, and that seems to be a theme every time we make it to a bowl game and, and have a big opponent. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know why that is. You know, unfortunately, uh, we just kind of got to get over that hump of you know, <laughs> being looked at as like the, the small school, and even though we really aren't, you know. But, um, you know, that's kind of a stigma that I think will, you know, pass with time. Being the underdog and winning, there's no better feeling, I feel like. Absolutely. You know, you almost got to go into it with the attitude that you got nothing to lose. I mean, if no one expects you to win, then just go out there and, and let it all loose and um, stick it know. to him. That's right. All right. So let's talk about your journey to the NFL because I was doing some research before this, and I mean, it seemed like you were on and off practice squads like a, a bajillion times before you finally found a home. Can you tell me a little bit about that journey and, and what it was like? Yeah, I mean, it, that was tough. Um, I, it took me three years to finally make a team. Um, I think it's cut nine or ten times before I finally, finally stuck. But um, you know, that, that kind of happens a lot with specialists. It's not super uncommon. Um, well, there's only, thir- there's only 32 long sapper slots in the NFL. There's no backup or anything like that, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, kickers, punters, long snappers, that happens a lot just because there's only one per team. So there's a lot of talented guys out there just, you know, sitting in a mom's basement or whatever, you know. And But it, it was it was tough. I mean, and it was definitely humbling. I mean, I remember thinking I was just going to go in there and, you know, uh, you know, make a team. And, and obviously right. that's not what happened. And, um, you know, even though you go out and you play well in preseason and stuff like that, I mean, teams don't want to unseat a long snapper. I mean, it's just not something to, you know, right. coaches willing to risk his neck on, um, you know, some 22 year old kid. You don't know if he's uh, going to go out there and freak out or, or what, but, um, you know, it was, it was tough, you know, just cause you'd get cut and you'd have to go move back in with your parents or whatever and kind of wait for the next season to try and get a shot again or or maybe somebody will get hurt during the year and you kind of hang on to hope and you wait know, for the phone to ring exactly so you're always just ready for that but you know you, you got to stay at it and um thankfully well, i did worked out good in the end um what's the biggest difference between college and pros not in terms of speed but in terms of your position because i know they can't really hit the the long snapper in college right uh, right. And, and so the biggest difference is for, at least for long snappers, if anybody cares, um, is the, uh, the spread punt formation in college that, uh, most college teams use now is, uh, the snapper doesn't really have to block in it, but once you get to the NFL, you have to learn how to block. So that's really keeping a lot of young snappers out of the league just because, you know, snapping and blocking is very different from just snapping and running downfield. Right. And, um, that was something that, I was always thankful for Coach O'Leary keeping the the pro style punt back uh, when I was playing there. It really helped me transition to the NFL a lot easier, just because I had already knew how to block and um, come out of a snap quick and you know get up and get your guy. So, right. Um, so there wasn't much difference for you. No, and I think I think I saw a stat only like four teams use it uh, now and at the college level. So I mean, and, and it's just a different kind of athlete. You want like a smaller, faster guy who can cover in college versus NFL, you're going to want a bigger guy you can block. Right. I think that's what our Caleb Perez now is like. I mean, I, I think he's like maybe six foot. I mean, he's he's a big guy, but he's not someone. I mean, you look like you could be like an offensive tackle. So <laughs> a little bit different. 
Yeah, um, I mean, he's he's probably a better cover guy than I'd ever be. But, you know, I mean, uh, I think that's... he was like a I think he was a quarterback in high school, actually. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, he's a better athlete. <laughs> All right, so made it to the NFL. Let's talk about you know your your first season in Cleveland. You were seven and nine. Different head coach, right? Yeah, that was Mike Pettin. That was the year I was bouncing around on practice squads a lot. So I actually ended up okay. the season on uh, um, on Cleveland's practice squad. Or no, I ended up – I started off on the practice squad, and I ended up on the roster. Um, and what's, the, what's the difference for people that don't know how NFL rosters work that much? So at the time, there was eight practice squad players that you could have, and obviously you're not traveling or playing on the team or anything like that. But because there's only eight spots and they're using one on a snapper, I was kind of like – you know, that's, that, that was a promising... Um, right, that means they definitely want to hold on to you, I think. Right, exactly. So that year, I think I was on the Patriots uh, practice squad along with the Browns and the Chiefs. And um, by the end of the year, I had gotten claimed by the Browns onto the 53-man roster, which, again, was a very uh, promising move and definitely right. meant that things were headed in the right direction for me. But yeah, you know, from, from that point on, I've... I've been a Cleveland Brown. That's awesome. And then, uh, so you've been the continuous starter since then. Obviously, I saw you signed a, a long, a long-term extension uh, last year, which is pretty right. cool. So, I mean, it seems like you're pretty much locked in there, which is awesome. Uh, even though there's been some turnover at the GM position, um, you know, it's, you're still the guy there. Uh, what's the difference like between, I guess, Sashi Brown and, and a guy like John Dorsey? I mean, they're they're kind of have way different. Styles. Sashi was like an analytics guy that was stocking up draft picks and didn't really seem to have that much talent on the roster. And then this year, you guys are just loaded with studs. What, what's that like? Well, I mean, first off, I mean, you got to—I don't know how to explain <laughs> this, but if if you were to meet the two, I mean, they couldn't be uh, any more different of two of people. I mean, right. John Dorsey clearly was just—you know—they call him the football guy, but I mean, that's football really guy, what yeah. he is. I mean, <laughs> he's literally just a grown-up version of all the players in the locker room. So, right. you know, he gets along well with everybody, and um, you know, he kind of meshes with that, you know, locker room uh, vibe pretty well. Uh, Sashi was a great guy. I had nothing against Sashi at all. I mean, he's he was awesome, but I mean, you could tell it. Maybe the intelligence level on him was a little bit higher than it was with all of us. And, well, he was an attorney um, before, right, I think? Yeah, and I think he graduated from, from Harvard or, or something. I mean, he's tell, definitely an intelligent guy. Uh -huh. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was just two different strategies, two different ways of doing things. And um, I think Sashi, honestly, what Sashi did is enable John to, um, you know, kind of take advantage of all the, the cap space and uh, yeah. the draft, draft capital uh, that that he was able to walk into. I mean, it, you can't ask for a better setup as a GM. You come in, you got the number one pick. I think they had 13 other draft picks, a ton of cap space. I mean, he just had a clean slate to come in. So I'd like yeah. to think that Sashi would have done something similar had he been given more time, but we'll never know, I guess. Right, um, right. All right, so uh, last couple questions here for you. What what was it like having the Hard Knocks crew and cameras around? Was it a big difference from previous training camps, or what what was that like? You know, I thought it was gonna be. Um, I thought it was gonna be like, oh man, now guys are gonna be starting acting out, and I was like, man, people are gonna be driving into work in the morning, you know, thinking about what kind of character they're gonna play for the cameras. But it really wasn't like that. Um, mm -hmm. Guys did a good job of kind of 
zoning them out as much as possible, even though I think they had seven or eight different ca- camera crews. I mean, everywhere you went, there's a camera. You know, you just kind of get used to it. I mean, yeah, the first couple of days it was weird, but then you kind of got used to it. And um, I felt like they did a really good job of, uh, you know, kind of portraying the day to day life and training camp. And I was kind of worried that it was going to be a glorified version and, you know, kind of this dramatic version of what it actually is. But, but they did a pretty good job of uh, nailing it. It was uh, it was fun to watch, especially, I mean, there was some really interesting drama that unfolded. I mean, the whole thing with Callaway and then, you know, well, the, the receiver that got cut, I forget his name, uh, Coleman or whatever. And we yeah. saw those things play out in real time. Even Des Bryant meeting with Hugh Jackson. I mean, it was really cool to get kind of an inside view at all of that. Uh, and then obviously Bob Wiley was kind of the star of the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bob Bob's a great guy. I mean, the the thing that uh, is great about him is that is exactly what you get. I mean, what you saw on that is exactly what you get. And um, as far as all the other drama that unfolded, I really do feel like the the Hard Knocks people kind of lucked into some, uh, you know, great things for television kind of happening during training camp for us. Right, but everything was real, though. I mean, that's, that's yeah. actually like how it goes down. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, everything was real down to Carl Nassib giving financial tips in the, <laughs> in the D-line room. I mean, that guy, that's exactly how that guy talks all the time. I mean, so and it was pretty hilarious. I, I really thought like, you know, wow, that, you know, they, they showed Carl's like true personality pretty yeah. well there. And he thinks he's got it figured all figured out financially. <laughs> but yeah. uh, he's actually doing pretty good over in Tampa, it looks like. So good for him. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely happy for him. I guess that's it. One last question I got for you. Uh, who do you think would win between the 2013 UCF team, the Fiesta Bowl team, and last year's Peach Bowl team? Kind of different styles of teams, but what are your thoughts on that? Man, that's that's a tough question. I, I guess I got to go with last year's team. I didn't play on either one of them, so I can't be biased. Uh, right. I, I, think, I think last year's team. I mean, last year's team just had an electricity that, um, I mean, it just wasn't matched. And... Um, it was just obviously two very different styles of football that were played, but um, man, I, got, I guess I got to give it to uh, last year's team. All right. Actually, one last question I wanted to ask. So, week one overtime, pouring rain, mm-hmm. six seconds left, mm-hmm. going out there to kick this field goal. Is anything different going through your head? Nerves were pretty high that whole game, just because uh, it was so wet and. Um, you know, obviously, like, opening week, I'm always a little more nervous just because right. it's like, man, you know, I, I know you do preseason and everything like that, but you haven't done it in a year, and you're just a little more nervous. And um, I, was just, I was especially nervous that game just because it was so wet. And, uh, that that you know, makes you your gotta, job a lot harder, I mean. Yeah, a little bit. You just got to be a little more careful um, with your release and everything on the ball. But, yeah, that was definitely a nerve-wracking snap. And uh, <laughs> I kind of joked with the guys. I was like, hey, just trying to get it out of my hands and into your hands. And hopefully we can get it through the uprights. But, um, no. I, I mean, mean, the snap looked good. And I was watching that game live, and I was like, oh, man, Charlie, come on, come through for us. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the, the snap was good. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it just got blocked. But um, That happens, you know, though. Yeah, it does. I mean, you obviously, you don't want it to. But. Um, you know, hopefully we can get past the, the tragic losses or in that case tie, but um, hopefully we're, we're moving past that now. Well, you know, you had a win this week and uh, hopefully more to come. So that's right. Anyway. All right. Thanks again, man. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, good luck the rest of the season. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. All right. So we're back from our interview and we've got a couple segments left. The one we've all been waiting for, Money Moves Picks of the Week. Let's go. 
All right, guys, this is Money Moves Picks of the Week. We were 2-1 and one last week, still in the win column. Even though we finally got a loss, it was the first one in 10 picks. So the last 10 picks, we were 9-1. and one. I'm pretty proud of myself. What do you, what do you think, Probs? Are you, are you proud of me? Dude, I'm, I'm very proud of you. 11-4 and four overall, 9-1 and one in the last, or wait, 8-1? and one? Nine eight and, and one, one in the last th- eight and one in the last three weeks. Nine and one in the last three weeks. Nine and one in the last three weeks. Hopefully you guys are getting that money. Yeah, dude. Let's see. So what do you have? Uh, let's let's recap the three picks real quick. I know we already did one kinda, and uh, then here are picks for this week. All right. So last week our one. <clears throat> Sorry. Oh fuck. Need more tea. <laughs> what? Did you been there for a week and you're already like on the tea thing? Coffee. We oh, drink my coffee. Al- my American. I'm we drinking. Drink I'm drinking enough coffee. My freaking allergies are going nuts. My throat's dry. All right. So we're gonna recap uh, our picks last week. My one loss was Cincinnati minus eight and a half. They ended up winning the game, but only by four. My two winners though, Syracuse minus twenty seven and a half. They ended up winning by thirty, I believe. And the other winner, obviously, was UCF, and that was a minus, I think, 13.5. It moved around from 13.5 to 15 to back. Uh, didn't matter what you got because you won easily either way. Right. So there you go. So 9-1 and one in the last 10. We're going to keep it rolling here. So hmm, I'm not really sure which one to go with first. Should I leave the... Save the uh, best for last. Best for last? Okay. Unless it's UCF, then keep that first. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> the first the first pick I have, I I don't mean to like keep beating this drum again, but I kinda do, is is I'm gonna take UCF again. Now this has moved around a little bit. I got some at minus fifteen and a half, but now it's where I just I got it at thirteen and a half. We're taking it at 13 and a half, but we'll make the official pick at 14. It started four, at 14. It started at 14. Okay. We'll make the official pick at minus 14. We're taking UCF versus Pittsburgh minus 14. The real line should be UCF minus 19 and a half. So we kind of already talked about UCF a little bit, but I just wanted to reiterate that. From what I saw in the game, you know, our offense, it seems to play in rhythms. You know, we're either rolling, like, clicking along, nobody's stopping us, or we're three and out really off. And we might be off our game for a drive or two, but you cannot stop this offense the whole game. You know, we're going to score points. The question is, can the other team keep up? I hate to sound like Madden here, but it's like, we're going to score a lot of points. Unless the other team can score more than us, they're not going to win. And we're going to score so many that it's not going to give most of these teams a chance. Pitt cannot score this many points. And a couple other things going against them. You know, they're on the road. That was so mad, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> they're on the road coming in here. The game time temperature is going to be in the 90s. They're not used to that kind of climate. The visitor's bench is facing the sun along with right where my season tickets are. I mean, you get absolutely drenched at 3.30 up until, I mean, the end of the game right now. They're going to be staring in the sun. They're going to be melting their faces off. 
And when they're losing, that's really, really going to start to get to them. I think the heat's going to be a big factor. Among all the other reasons, I think we're going to win. I think this is just kind of a extra. To add to that, you know, Pittsburgh, they played UNC, who our game was canceled against two weeks ago. They ended up losing to UNC. But, you know, Pittsburgh, they're known as the giant killers. And like we said, you know, they beat Miami last year. They beat another top 10 team the year before, I think. So it really doesn't matter their record. You know, any day they will come to play. And, yes, I understand we gave up a bunch of rushing yards to FAU, but this is college football. I mean, freaking Old Dominion just beat Virginia Tech. Like, anything can happen week in, week out, and all we need to do is focus on winning this game on Saturday. So my prediction for the score is UCF 49, Pittsburgh 31. All right, put it on the board. I'll take it. What do you got next? So my second game, and I know Probs doesn't like me betting on this team, but they won once for me before, is I like Boise State minus 16 against Wyoming. Now, it should be Boise State minus 24 in my power rankings, but look here again. Any team can slip up any week, and Boise State slipped up big time a few weeks ago against Oklahoma State. Hey, I'm fine with them winning now. They've lost one. They can win all they want. Fine with me. They're out of the rankings, so I'm all for them this week. But then Oklahoma State, they got slaughtered by Texas Tech, but I honestly think Boise State still thinks that they have a chance at a New Year's Six Bowl. You know, if they win out, they could be right up there. Uh, With us winning out and making the playoff, they could see themselves in the Fiesta Bowl. Oh, very true. Very true. I like your angle there. On the other side, Wyoming, their two wins are against Wofford and New Mexico State, who's the second-worst team in the nation in Division hey, One. Wofford. <laughs> and their two losses, they got creamed. So they're really missing Josh Allen. I think Boise State comes in and smokes them. Take Boise State, minus 16. Free money. All right, what's your third one? All right, so I'm going to say this is my game of the week. We got... Texas Tech, take them at plus four versus West Virginia. The real line in my power range should be Texas Tech minus three and a half. But they're getting four. So take Texas Tech plus four. Texas Tech's offense is really clicking along. And West Virginia is certainly, to this point, unproven. You know, West Virginia, they beat Tennessee at the beginning of the year, who was ranked, I have no idea why, because they're horrible. They beat Youngstown State, big whoop, and a 2-2 two and two Kansas State. So to me, they haven't proven shit. And Texas Tech beat Houston, which is a solid American team, and Oklahoma State. Their only slip-up was the first game against Ole Miss. And Texas Tech quarterback Alan Bowman has almost 1,600 passing yards in only four games. So you got to take Texas Tech plus four here to t- to knock off number twelve West Virginia. I like it, and you know, like you said, they slipped up in the first game. A lot of teams slipped up in the first game. Look at Texas; they looked terrible in their first game, and now they're ranked again after three pretty good wins against at least two ranked teams. So I uh, I like that pick, and and we get the points too. So maybe is there a little uh, money line move possibility here since you're betting on an underdog that's close. It's possible. Why not? But, uh, throw it. I, I mean, I might do it, but the, the official pick is the points, right? Yep. Plus four, Texas Tech, take it. 
All right, so recap the picks real quick, and then we'll move on to uh, my NFL locks of the week. <laughs> All right, so to recap the picks, we got UCF. We're calling it minus 14. We're going to take Boise State minus 16, and we're going to take Texas Tech plus 4. Let's, Let's get, get that, money. that money. That was not in sync <laughs> at all. Whatever. Uh, I think there's a delay. Okay. Moving on, my NFL locks of the week. I had one pick last week, one lock, which was the Patriots. That You need lost. to do some more research on these, for real. Yeah. No, I'm good. I'm You're good. letting the people down. So this week I was... And it's bad because I, I'm actually agreeing with you. I listened to the last podcast and I agreed with your Patriots pick. I don't know how that lost. Dude, I don't I mean, know. The game doesn't start till like 1.30 in the morning over here, so okay, I didn't so watch it. But the, the Patriots... What look, happened? The, they just looked terrible, dude. They couldn't move the ball at all on offense. And like, even when how? they get... I don't know, man. Sam they need Arnold ran all over them. They need Josh Gordon to. Oh, uh, you mean? <laughs> I was like, you mean Matt Stafford? Now, well, first of all, when the Lions lost to the Jets, the Lions had a ton of turnovers. That's how the Jets kept getting the ball back, and they scored like 14 points on defense also. So it wasn't necessarily all Darnold. It was the Lions just playing bad. The Patriots. I mean, maybe the Jags were overrated. The Patriots lost to a mediocre Jags team because the Jags just lost to the Titans, and then they lost to a decent Lions team. I don't know, but let's let's get to my picks. We're making a comeback. I had one. So the Patriots of, are that bad. They looked that bad, but I mean, it's only week three. Anything could happen. So last week, my lock of the week was the Pats. That loss moving me to one, two, and one for the season. Not terrible. Two picks for you this week. Yeah, I got the that's Saints. Pretty terrible. <laughs> It's one game under. It back. It's one game under 500, dude. You set the bar so high that it looks like I'm kind of bad. That's right. Not, not that bad. So I've got two picks: the Saints minus three and a half on the road at the Giants. Saints really clicking on offense. Won in overtime versus a really really good Falcons team. The Giants aren't as good. I think the Saints offense is just gonna put up a lot of points, and the Giants just don't have it clicking still on offense. They beat a mediocre Cowboys team this week, which segues me into our next pick, the Lions, plus three Wait, on I don't the get road. an opinion on the, the first pick? Uh, what? I had a good segue. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this one's hard because the Saints on the road usually are not good. NFL teams getting more than three points at home. That's usually a sign, although the Giants are pretty freaking bad. I, I don't know about this one, man. Are you sure? I'm pretty damn sure. But here's the thing about NFL. It's like oh, there's so much parity. All the teams are so good that it makes it definitely a lot tougher. You lose a lot of the edge that you can find in college on these lopsided games when it's like you know a team's going to beat the other team, but it's a matter of how much. I'm pretty confident in these picks. So anyway, the second pick would be the Lions plus three at the Cowboys, a couple of teams that have come up in other bets this season. You know, I think these teams are pretty even, honestly. The Cowboys being at home and, and not having a win yet, I think kind of motivates them more. But the Lions are pretty good, and the fact that they're giving them three points kind of sways it to the Lions' direction for me this week. What do you think? Yeah, take the Lions. Easy enough. No, the ca Cowboys suck, dude. Awesome. Glad you're on my side for that one. <laughs> All right. Last couple segments, and we'll uh, wrap it up here. Heisman update. 
So we've got Michael Colubiali coming, coming hot off his 30 for 30 uh, video or whatever that UCF put together for him and his dad, which was really awesome. Six catches for 84 yards, led the offense in receiving. He looked awesome out there. Is really going to give this Tua guy a run for his money when the uh, Heisman voters have to put their ballots in later in the season. What do you think, Moo? You know, can I just say that, like, when I was watching the game, every time I blinked, I felt like it was, like, third and eight. And every third and eight play, it was a rocket to Kalubiali, about 10 yard. Can you tell your dogs to shut up, please? <laughs> you can hear that? <laughs> yes. See this? Go get the shoe! Okay. You know, every time I blinked, I felt like it was third and eight in this game. And every third and eight, Milton was throwing a rocket across the middle of the Kalubiali, and somehow he was catching it. I mean, he was making some good catches, too. He's got some good hands, man. Yeah, dude. He's, uh, I mean, he's, he's a good player. I didn't put him on this segment just to make fun of him. <laughs> he's, he's I know we didn't. He is good. We need to keep using him. Jesus. Exactly, and we haven't thrown to the tight end all year, but uh, I guess it was, if there was a good time to do it, it was last week, because he definitely helped us convert some of those third and longs. As far as the other Heisman candidates, you know, the thing is with KZ, losing that game and then also kind of having an off game versus SC State, he's a few touchdown passes behind everyone else, but I think as, as Kyler Murray for Oklahoma, Will Greer, uh, Haskins for Ohio State and, and Tua with Alabama, I think as they get in their conference games, I mean, they, these guys have all been playing weak opponents so far. I think as they get in their conference games, they're going to have some, you know, not-so-nice-looking games too, and that's going to give KZ a chance to catch up with, you know, like with games like a six-touchdown performance against a good FAU team. More games like that will start to kind of bump him back up and get him in the uh, Heisman talks, but it's definitely an uphill battle for him. Uh, with how the season started. Oh, absolutely. This is pretty much your. This is pretty much it. Like, you, if you want KZ for Heisman, this is your ultimate buy low this week. Yeah. Don't definitely. wait. Don't wait until after this Pittsburgh game because he's going to do something special. Definitely. So let's get to some questions from our awesome night fan listeners. First one from Sam Unger. Who's been your favorite player on offense and defense so far through three games? I will answer this first on offense. I got to say it's Gabe Davis leading the team in receptions. He's got three touchdown catches now on the season and really stepped up in a big way. Uh, big body out there, fun to watch. On defense so far, man, I got to go with Savage Pat. Only had five tackles last game, but had double digits both games before that. And he's really always flying around. If he's not making the tackle, he's close to it. So he looks good out there as kind of the, the centerpiece of the defense so far. Who do you like, Moo, on offense? I think on offense, I would have to say McKenzie. Just because, yeah. you know, he's under so much pressure, especially from last year. I mean, how do you go? You go undefeated. You know, you win the Peach Bowl MVP, and then you have to come back with a new coach, a new scheme, and everything. And honestly, yeah, you know, like throw it. out that everyone throw out that stupid South Carolina State game. Like the kid is still on fire. He took over last game, man. He did, and he dominated the first game too. So it's like 
everyone's just putting so much into the stupid South Carolina State game. Like, oh, it just bugs the shit out of me that, like, he's so freaking good. He really is. You know, even his mom, like, after the South Carolina State game, even his mom went on Twitter and I saw it was like, she said something about, you know, everyone needs to let up on her son and... Someone was heckling him because I guess they bet on the game and the spread, which I don't know how anyone found a spread on that game, but I guess the spread was more. And I, I don't really know. Someone was yelling at their son and, and her family or something like that. Really rude. Clearly not a real Knight fan or any type of Knight fan. Uh, but, yeah, no, I agree. Um, we need to you know pump the brakes a little bit. We look awesome on, on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I'll have to say my defensive player, I think is Richie Grant. You know, I got really upset over the offseason when I heard about Trey Neal wanting to transfer because I really like Trey Neal. And, you know, the other part is that I heard that he kind of lost his starting job a little bit to this guy, Richie Grant. And, you know, I think Richie Grant played a little bit last year. I feel like I've heard the name before, but he has come on as a huge leader of this defense. And I think he has, what, like two picks? Yeah, I think he's got, a couple, he's got a couple picks this he's season He's got two already. picks, but the, the commentators are always calling out his name. I feel like he's always around the ball, and he's a huge part of our defense, so love the guy. Let's see. Next question we've got. When will Vegas stop having UCF as only two touchdown favorites so I can stop betting on them? Slightly rhetorical <laughs> question from Kevin Jones. What do you think? Listen, Kevin, it all, it all just depends on the power rankings. I mean, you know, if you want to bet a money line and throw your whole mortgage on it, be my guest. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Um, it was like this last year, too. We were like 8-0 against the spread. I'm not sure if we ever lost against the spread last year, but it was like every game, and then every game we played, we would get closer to not covering. It still took a little while for Vegas to catch up. Uh, next question here, we got two more. This is from Dean Caravellas, uh, how many spots would UCF drop if they were ranked what Oklahoma was ranked and got taken to overtime by Army? Yeah, I like this question. If we if we yeah, played so our if we got like taken to overtime by uh, I don't know East Carolina or some or UConn or something, I think it would, it would depend on you know the other teams. You know, if it was something like this week where you know a bunch of teams lost in front of us, maybe we didn't move up those spots. Maybe the teams behind us, you know, jumped us. But I, yeah, I think he's I, I got a point. I could still see him dropping us like a spot or two. I feel like everyone's looking just for an excuse to bring us down a notch. Uh, but you're right. It does depend. There's so many other uh, factors when it comes to the rankings every week. Okay. Last question from Mike, MD Knight, 2016. Uh, with UCF being ranked 13th in week five, do we see a glass ceiling this year, or is an undefeated season, 12-0 and after conference championship week, enough to get us into the top four? That's a, uh, that's a hell of a question there, Mike. You know, and again, like with the last one, there's so many other things. Like, it depends, you know, if all the top ten teams don't lose any games this year besides to each other, then it might be tough. But let's just say we're creeping up there i mean honestly the first thing it really depends on where we come out in these college football rankings because last year we hit that ceiling at like the 15 spot and it didn't matter what we did we were stuck there so that's going to matter 
So we'll find out when those first rankings come out on October 13th, kind of where we stand. And then from there on out, I think if we come out and we're like close to the top 10 in the rankings and if we finish undefeated, we have a good chance because if you, if Cincinnati keeps winning, USF keeps winning, those might be ranked teams. And there's teams up there like Clemson right now. Clemson doesn't play a ranked team all season. So if they can make the playoff, why can't we? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we just got to keep winning. Everything else will fall into place. Again, I'll reiterate, I think if we're undefeated, we have to make the playoff. And it just is what it is, you know. But all we can control is us winning. So let's focus on Saturday in Pittsburgh. I agree. So let's. Uh, with that being said, we're going to wrap it up Saturday. Be there early. Tailgate start time at 9 o'clock. Don't go too hard too early. Make sure you wear white. Stay hydrated and make sure you come to the game. Student section's been sold out. Last two games, I think we're sold out. This third game, awesome turnout by the students, but everyone yeah, else hey, has to go too. Thank you from Money Moo. Thank you very much, students, for coming out. I remember when we were freshmen, like, it was hard to get the whole – and we only had the one side of the student section. It was hard to get that full other than, you know, the first game there. So I really appreciate it, and I'm very impressed that all the students are coming out. Uh, as awesome. much as they are, it, it feels great. It makes the app. It just makes everything better. Like it the really atmosphere does. is better. The players on the field can really feel it. They can and feed off the energy and empty seats just make it depressing. Why do you think USF football is so sad? Because two thirds of their stadium is empty every single game. Anyway, uh, that's it. Moo, have a safe trip back. We will come at you live next week from Florida. Everyone, uh, have a good night. Let's make some money and go nights. Charge on. Don't switch the play.